Good morning, good morning. I love you. I'm going to open in prayer so you can just remain where you are and and then you can head to your seat, right? Yeah, we're going to stand and do our Confession Over America in two seconds. In two seconds. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be with church family today and hear your word. Lord, we praise you and thank you for what we're about to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can stand with me, and we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America, because we were born here, we love it here, we're proud of it, and we know that God is part of it, the biggest part of it, right? Okay, are you ready? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Are you ready to go hug your neighbor and meet people you don't know? Absolutely. So you go talk to someone, hug them, tell them that Jesus loves them, and we'll see you in a minute.
It's your love that brings the dead to life. Now I've got to love, and I'm waking up. Now I'm living resurrection life, and we sing, oh, 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 yes, Lord. Are you blessed? And you know it? Say amen. Say it louder. Say it real loud. Are you super blessed? Say it even louder. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. I won't take up your time. However, when the Thesans were here, you remember the missionaries of Thesans, um, we were presented with a beautiful picture, a prophetic picture that uh, Annette had done. Now listen, some of you had signed up to receive one of these prints. If you signed up to receive a print, let me know, and I will give you your print. We may have some extras, we'll see. So if you signed up for the print, see me after service, and I'll give you your print. That's such an awesome picture. That's awesome. And to be able to paint like that is a gift from the Lord, for sure. For sure, for sure. Well, we got a few things going on. Um, remember, if you have to miss service for any reason, you can watch online. Okay, some of our friends, some of our friends, when you're missing service, you're not getting the word into you. And that's a problem. It's a problem. Because it messes with your life. Okay, so if you're not at church, at least watch or listen to church. It's important for your life. Uh, membership class got moved to October 17th because Pastor Dave was, you know, a little preoccupied, a little bit stuck. And so the Lord's working that out. But he was adamant that he wanted to be the one to teach you because he just loves membership class so much. So if you have been through membership class but have questions um, about our statement of faith or what we believe or how the church works, please feel free to come back. But if you're new and not a member yet, that's definitely where you go to find out what the church is all about. So October 17th, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then there's Harvest Fest coming up. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Even the drummer's happy about that. (laughs) Um, So Harvest Fest this year. Remember I was telling you how much I wanted you to not have to do a bunch of work. So then we had a Harvest Fest meeting. And you guys just love Jesus and you do all this work. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was trying to make it easy. And so it's still going to be much easier, um, but everyone wanted to do all this stuff, um, and they wanted to pour the budget into the kids. So our budget, which I normally share with you and have this big presentation on, we're not going to do a big presentation, but our budget is $2,000. That allows us to still do the, the bounce houses and the photo booth and things like that. However, our Harvest Fest planning team said, no, 
Don't spend all that money on tacos because tacos were going to be like $1,500. And that was the deal of the day from people who weren't even charging us labor and it was just supplies. Um, and so meat's a little expensive right now. So they asked if we could please do hot dogs, but in a fun way. So we're going to do hot dogs with like a chili cheese buffet and some tortilla chips, okay? So you can have nachos, you can have hot dogs, it'll be a great time, it'll be super fun, and it'll be a giant buffet and we'll have more than enough. But what we're looking for right now is if you want to give financially, sweet, we'll take it. We have 550 coming in so far already. And so we have a few weeks beforehand, but the donations that we need are um, packs of 12 sodas, uh, juice boxes, and cases of water, um, sets of two dozen cookies, and lots more candy. So we have a sign up that if you'd like to donate stuff instead of money, that'd be great. And if you'd like to donate money, offerings coming. Okay? So that will be seed sown into Harvest Fest, and it'll be a blessing to you and your family. But the most important thing about Harvest Fest this year, sorry, I should have called for an usher. Help! Help! Gray-shirted gentlemen. They used to be red-shirted gentlemen. They used to wear red shirts. And so I called them the red-shirted boys. But now it's all gray. Okay, here's the pen too. I stole that from you. Thanks. Sorry to be awkward, everyone. Um, so if you want to donate stuff or food instead of money, then you can have at it. But the most important thing about Harvest Fest is that you come with your family and you connect with other church family so that you're not doing life alone. In those difficult days or frustrating days, it's really very important for you to have Christian relationships and friends. And that's why we do stuff like this. And most of us, when we come to church, we want to get involved. Our church does three things. We save, disciple, and serve. And so most of us get to the serve part real fast because we get all excited about the word here. And we grow quickly and that's a blessing. But we get involved in serving real quick. And when we get here, we're serving. So it's really very important that we make time to fellowship and get connected. And we make time for our kids to do that regularly. But it's important for us as adults to be able to do that as well. And while we're doing that, this is the perfect time for you to invite your family, for you to invite your friends to come be connected and be a part. And that's why we're not doing a huge one this year. Because we would do spread the gospel to 5,000 people, but there was no connection and discipleship. So we're just being more focused to make sure that your family stays connected and has friends and that the people you bring, that it lasts and it's not a one-night thing. So praise the Lord for that. The last and final thing I need to tell you is about serving. So our children's ministry post-COVID did a whole lot of changes and adjustments so that we could kind of do a reset for the kids and that it was uh, less like school and more like discipleship. And so we put a whole lot of effort into changing that. And then we've had some struggles. Lots of families here have had health things go on or life things go on. And people have had to step outside of children's ministry. So we've made it work for several months, but we're in a little bit of a pickle. So I need your help. And I'm not asking you to serve continuously or every week forever, but I am asking you that if you're able to pass a background check or if you've been in children's ministry before and you're able to serve, I need your help. And I don't need your help cleaning whole buildings or, or you know, doing things that are going to take tons of effort, but I need for you to sit with kids 
and disciple them. I need you to ask about their day. I need you to ask what their favorite color is and to talk to them about the lesson that was taught by our children's church teacher. So it's just being a team leader. You can pass out a snack and high five the kids. Um, But the reality is if we continue on the path that we're currently on, you're going to be sitting with your kids and there'll be children's church Sunday mornings because I just don't have the workers right now. So I'm not pushing you, but I'm asking you to talk to the Lord about that and to be willing to do what maybe isn't your area forever, but be willing to be a part of that so that our kids are ministered to and not babysat, but also so that you and your family are able to sit in church without having to pick up crowns the whole time. You know, just saying. So I appreciate you praying about that and thinking about that. And now it's happy time. Praise the Lord. Happy, happy. Is it your turn? I had no idea who was coming next. It's Pastor. I'm so glad that you're back. (laughs) Man, amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in church? No mask, no worries. Just in her full the glory of God, the anointing of God, getting to love Jesus, love people like God intended we should. Amen. <clears throat> well, if you need an envelope for your giving, hold up your hands and the ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And then when we're finished, we'll bring them up here and worship God with them. But I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. How many know we're living in uncertain times? But you know what? It hasn't affected heaven. God's streets are still made out of gold. He didn't trade the mansions in for house trailers to live in when we get to heaven. Amen. Heaven didn't change. Heaven's still very blessed. And in Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to talk somewhat about the kingdom of God a little bit. And us as Christians, we got to know that the kingdom of heaven is a real place. The kingdom of God is a spiritual realm down here on earth. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and someday we'll be citizens of heaven when we move there. But right now we're on earth. And so uh, we're going to look at the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 6, because if we learn to function in the kingdom of God on earth, then all of our needs will always be met. No matter what goes on around us, we'll always have more than enough. We'll be effective. We won't be worry warts. We'll be faith people that love people and not always concerned about life. And, you know, a statement I wrote down in my Bible uh, years ago is this in the kingdom of God nothing changes but the kingdom of God in you changes things around you the kingdom of God doesn't change but the kingdom of God changes things and as citizens of the kingdom we can change things around us especially in our realm of influence where we live at our families and things but in Matthew chapter 6 I'm just going to read just a few verses verse 31 Picks up on a thing Jesus is talking about, about people that are worried about their clothes, their food. And in modern times, we can say your car insurance, your transportation, your housing needs, education money, whatever it is. There's things that people need. And so Jesus in verse 31 said, therefore, take no thought or no anxious thought saying. And I circled that word saying in my Bible because Jesus also taught us in Mark chapter 11, we'll have whatsoever we saith. If you're worried about your car payment or your house payment or your kids' money and you're saying all the time, 
how you don't think you're going to have it, you don't think it's going to work, it's not happening, you'll have what you say. And so you need to learn to watch what you say. Because when things are looking bad around you, if you keep on saying what God says for the word about your situation, and a good verse is Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my need. And so I don't like high gas prices, but that's called a need. And my God supplies all of my need if it's $5 a gallon or if it's a dollar a gallon. What difference does it make to God? Amen. And so it shouldn't make any difference to us. We don't like things, but God says he'll take care of things. So Jesus said, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? That costs too much gas to go all the way to Victorville and back today. We don't say that. Amen. It says, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And just for the, for, just for the, for reference to what he's saying here, we can call Gentiles here non-covenant people. Because the Gentiles, back in Jesus' day, there was Gentiles, there were Jews. And if you were Jew, you were covenant. If you're a Gentile, you wasn't in the covenant. Well, today we're Christians. If we're Christians, we're in the covenant. And the only other kind of people God sees, he doesn't see races. He doesn't, he doesn't see where people live at. He sees people. And he either sees your blood bought or you need to be. And so he says these things here. All the people that don't belong to Christ, they seek all these things. And your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And do you notice that God said things? And so whatever things it is, it takes for you to win in life. God knows what those things are. God knows, God knows what kind of car you need. He knows what kind of education your kid needs. He knows where you need to live at. All these things he knows. It says he knows these things. But seek ye first, seek ye First, in other words, we can say, put God first. Put God's way of doing things first, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be subtracted from you. Let, let me explain what Jesus said. How many think that Jesus knows the difference between addition and subtraction? Division, multiplication. And he even knows, like I talked to my grandson about last night, he even knows that the uh, Pi R square. And what I told him, my, when my math teacher tried to teach me that from where I come from, I said, no, teacher, pi R round. Pi R square. Pi R round. That's just, that's an old hillbilly joke. But what I'm saying is this. Jesus said, you put God first, he'll add things, not subtract them. Now, let me help carnal, unrenewed minds about how that works. Listen closely. If you are a person that lives out of your head and not out of your spirit, you're afraid to give God 10%. You know why? Because you think if you give God 10%, you'll be subtracted from. Because you're counting with your head what only God could do from the realm of the spirit. Jesus said, put him first with your money. And he'll make sure you've always got your house payment. He'll make sure you got money to spend on the grandkids. And we know something about that. We have eight kids. They all got spouses. We got 20 grandkids. And, uh, you know, if you people have the love of God in your heart at Christmas time, 
if your grandma, like this, was sitting right here, she didn't like to cheap out on any of the kids, their mates, or the grandkids. So it takes great faith at Christmas time if you believe the Bible and you're fruitful and multiply. She saw that verse when we got married and we got stuck in Genesis chapter 1 for a while. I said, be fruitful and multiply. And then one day I realized that we don't have to do all the multiplying. Somebody else can have some babies too. Amen. So what I'm doing, I'm telling you how real this is. Jesus said, if you put him first in your life, and that includes your money, he said things are added to you. I'm so glad to know I don't have to be like the non-covenant people worry about my car. Have to worry about gas mileage because gas went up. Don't like it, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to keep on doing what I've done for the last 42 years. When I get blessed financially, paycheck, gifts, other things like that, then all I do is look at the amount. I move the decimal one point to the left, and that's 10%. Amen. That's what tithing is. It's 10%. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God as righteous as all they things shall be what? Added. Say added, not subtracted. Added, not subtracted. Put God first. And so I just want to tell you as a Christian, if you're still lacking and don't have this together yet, just pray. Ask Jesus to help you have revelation in your heart of what a tithe is. Ask Jesus to show you what it is. You have to ask him for faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. But then I'll just say this. Until you get there, always do something in the offering. Always do something to where your level of faith is, but then pray the Lord to open your eyes to get to the place where it's just... Always give God 10%. Amen? Amen. That is how it works. Well, let's make our financial faith confession. And uh, would, you, would you have your offering ready to bring it up? Bring it up to the altar after we make our confession and just get in the habit of being a thankful, grateful person. And just as you bring it up, just say something like, Jesus, thank you that all of our needs are met. If there's something specific he's done for you lately, thank him for what he's done. If there's something you believe him for him to do, say, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm getting that better car and I'm getting it soon. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm getting that better place to live and I'm getting it soon. Amen? And you know, I just want to tell everybody else that gives online and things like that, whatever you push that button on your phone or your computer, whatever it is, however you give online or whatever you do, just speak some words of faith as you do that and don't just like act like I paid the house bill, paid the electric bill, paid the water bill, paying God. You don't pay God, you tithe to God. Amen, amen, amen. You don't pay him like a bill. Let's make this confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, Estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give gesture to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's sing. Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me. Once I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. But in the cross That saved my soul All else is lost The grip of fear Has no hold on me So where, oh Where is your sin? No longer I Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Sing, I won't boast. No, I won't boast, but in the cross that saved my soul. All else is lost. The grip, the grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin. Oh, all of this for your 
Amen, amen. Who knows that the Lord is good this morning? You know that. Come on, yeah. Amen. Psalm 34 tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Amen. Now, I know that everybody that's in a church would say, yes, the Lord is good. But I just feel in my heart this morning that there are some that that you kind of feel like you're an outsider. You're like, yeah, that sounds good. I know that that means good. But you need to know that if you if you've received Jesus, you are a child of God yourself. Amen. Amen. It's not just that old Pastor Dave's a child of God or, you know, Leah or whoever. You are a child of God yourself. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God yourself. And so you don't need to just spectate and watch all these others that are soaking it in, but you need to know for you too that you are a child of God Almighty. You're important. You matter. Jesus loves you too. He doesn't just love me and all these other holy people. He loves you and you matter and you need to taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself too. You're one of us, okay? You're one of us. You belong here and you matter and we love you and you, if you've received Jesus, man, you're a part of the family of God too. You're not an outsider. You're not second class. You're not a foreigner to this. You're a part of the family too. And so I want you to say this with me today. Say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Me, I am a child of God. I matter. I belong here. And Jesus loves me too. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to be at church today. I love to be in the house of the Lord. Um, Praise God. You know, even last Sunday... We were just a couple of days out of my appendix surgery and, and we were like, man, I'm gonna, I can't preach, I can't go and, you know, hug everybody, but I can't sit at home on a Sunday morning. I mean, I, it's just nearly impossible for me. So we loaded up and we still made it to the house of God because when it's in ya, it's in ya. And I just, I thought out, I've gotta be around my people. I gotta be around my family. I gotta be in the house of God. You know, Jesus had wandered off as a 12 year old and, and his family was searching for him and they didn't know, where is he? Where'd he go? And they finally found him a couple days later in the temple. And he said, you should have known where I was at. You should have known that I would have been in my father's house about my father's business. Amen. So if I ever go miss and just come down to the church, I'm probably over here. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> you know where to find me. But I love being in the house of God with the people of God in the presence of God. And uh, the, my title this morning is this. This may not sound deep, but I want to hit you with something today. The title is this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And as I was kind of uh, doing my little surgery thing um, last week, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I know some deeper things in scripture, not, you know, I'm not bragging about that, but I've studied the Bible a lot in my life, right? I, I do have a couple Bible degrees and all this fun stuff, but listen to me, sometimes these basic things 
are what speak to me the most. And really outside of John 3, 16, Psalm 23 is probably the most famous chapter in all the Bible. And there's a good reason for that. But at the same time, sometimes when we've heard certain chapters or certain passages or verses, we tend to lose sight of the importance. And sometimes we can just kind of let it like, yeah, I know the Lord's my shepherd. I, I get that. But as I was kind of laying there recovering, all I could think about in my mind, you know, I wasn't thinking about end times eschatology. We could go there. I wasn't thinking about some of the deeper covenants and the deeper dispensations of grace. I was thinking about, my gosh, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have everything that I need right there. And so it just overwhelmed me. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning is the Lord is my shepherd. And if you've been around the things of God around church or, or what not very long, you're familiar with Psalm 23. A lot of you maybe even have it memorized and could even quote it. But I want you to grasp how powerful of a statement it is that I'm trying to make to you today that the Lord is your shepherd. Listen to me. My government is not my shepherd. My bank account is not my shepherd. My family is not my shepherd. The cool people and celebrities and all those that think they're all that, they are definitely not my shepherd. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord God Almighty, he is my shepherd. And David said, I shall not want, but the literal translation of that is, I have everything I need right there. If I've got... Jesus, if I've got the Lord as my shepherd, I've got everything I need. I shall not want, I shall not be doing without if the Lord is my shepherd. And I, my dad always told this story uh, when he was preaching on Psalm 23, so I'm going to share it. But there was a, a get together of a, a preacher's convention of a bunch of, bunch of ministers that are all at this convention and, 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 and they brought up the, you know, the most educated, the most PhD, the most theologically deep person of the whole place. And, you know, sir, could you read the 23 Psalm, Psalm 23? And he gets up in his most professional, religious, deep voice. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And he goes on and, and he, you know, just, just so professional, yet so boring. And the whole crowd just falls asleep and like, man, they got nothing out of it. And then they get, they, then later on in the, in the meeting, in the seminar, that just the youngest, most rookie, most inexperienced, just the bottom, bottom level rookie guy gets up and, and it's his turn and he reads the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the power of God falls over the whole place and sweeps across and the Lord touches every single person there. Well, what was the difference? The Lord really was this guy's shepherd. Amen. And some people, yeah, some people, they may, the Lord, oh yes, yes, brother, we know the Lord is my shepherd. And that's a fine thing to say, but this doesn't mean jack beans to you if the Lord ain't your shepherd. But if the Lord is your shepherd, you read this and you've heard it a million times and something on the inside of you says, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. 
And it excites you. It does something for you. And so I have heard this my entire life for 36 years, but I read it and it just shakes me on the inside. And I say, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. And so let's turn there this morning, Psalm 23. And I got to read this in the King James this morning because that's how I learned it. And I just love it. It's so, you know, it's so poetical. It's so beautiful in the King James translation. And so I'm going to read it there. And uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Who in here is familiar with the 23rd Psalm already? Amen. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's such a powerful and, and well-known uh, chapter. But, again, my goal is that you really get it. That you get some revelation from the word of God today and it doesn't just go from, it's not just stuck in your head. Yes, I acknowledge the Lord is my shepherd, but it gets down into your heart and you get that revelation on the inside. So the 23rd Psalm, amen, this morning, King David wrote this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. I've got everything I need right there. Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, pastor, is the glass half empty or is it half full? Speak for yourself, brother. My cup runneth over. Amen. It ain't half empty. It ain't half full. It runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I love that. I love that. And, and you know, there's people that they're chasing things in this life. They're chasing how they could find peace. They're chasing how they could find mercy. They're chasing how they could find the feeling that they're trying to obtain. I don't chase any of that because surely goodness and mercy, they're chasing me. They follow me down. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. And so David was a shepherd himself, if you know the Bible. That's was David's trait. He grew up doing this. Yeah, he's famous for becoming king. And he is to this day the most celebrated and wonderful king that Israel had. He's the favorite. Everybody to this day celebrates and loves who David was. But David didn't start in the palace. David started out there in the fields taking care of sheep, taking care of animals. And that's what this guy did. And so one of the reasons I love Psalm 23 is this was just David speaking to God straight from his heart in terms and language that he knew himself. Amen. And maybe, you know, whatever it is that you do for a living or whatever the culture or the context you've been raised in, we all have different words and phrases and and ways of speaking that just kind of resonate with us. And I love this with David because he's not trying to sound high and lofty. He's not trying to impress everybody with his theology and his deep, deep knowledge of the things of God and the law. No, this is David just talking to God in terms that were familiar to him. He's like, Lord, 
you're my shepherd. I, yeah, I've watched a bunch of sheep. Yeah, I've done a lot of that. But you know what? Lord, you are my shepherd. I have everything I need because of you. Lord, I'm trying to lead people. I'm trying to be a king. But you, Lord, you lead me to, to, to rest in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters. And in your life, the Lord will be your shepherd. Well, I don't have no peace. I don't have nothing. When the Lord, your shepherd, just let him lead you to the green grass. Let him let you rest beside the still waters. And he will do it for you even in 2021. But but here's the neat thing. Another reason I love Psalm 23 is because this is an Old Testament, amazing, incredible shepherd writing about something he knew. But in the New Testament, another shepherd shows up on the scene. Amen. Look at John chapter 10. So David's back there saying, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And David's been a shepherd himself. And he was a good one. All right. He wasn't mediocre. David was such a good shepherd that he would fight lions and bears with sticks to protect his sheep. David was not mediocre. He wasn't just some dude. David, whatever he did, he gave it 110%. And I love people like that because there's a lot of people that they, they, they start out, they may get a job and they're like, man, I've worked here for a week and they haven't, you know, they haven't promoted me yet. They, they, I'm not the CEO yet. I should be vice president of this corporation. What, don't they see my potential? And listen, David didn't do that. David had the lowest level, entry level job you could have, but David gave that measly little job 110%. He was awesome at being the little guy, and then he was awesome at being the big guy. But don't think that if you can't wash the toilets good enough, if you can't Put the cheese on that burger with love. Don't think that they're going to promote you to being senior vice president of executive international operations by next Friday. Do good where you are, somebody. Do good. Give it your best right where you are because you are not going to get promoted. You couldn't handle it. I have no idea why I'm saying this. So apparently someone needs to hear it. But if you can't give your best where you're at right now, you would fold like a cheap house of cards if they put you in charge of other people. There you go. That's for somebody. I have no idea who, but that's for somebody. All right. And so we've got David in the Old Testament talking about this. But then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ shows up in John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. And we all, you all know John 10, 10, right? What, what does John 10, 10 say? Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. And then right here, verse 11, the New Testament, Jesus shows up and says, I am the good shepherd. Amen. And so David back there, he was a really awesome shepherd. But Jesus shows up and says, I am the good shepherd. And so what about the good shepherd? What makes Jesus the good shepherd. Well, there's a lot of things that make Jesus the good shepherd. And, and, but look at this. He says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and scatters the flock, right? Have you ever noticed, hey, it's one thing to be the babysitter, but praise God, it's another thing to be the parent when they are your own kids, right? And and listen to me, it's one thing if you're just an employee of the company, it's another thing when you own the place and you started it and you put your own blood, sweat, and tears in to it it means a little bit more to you and jesus was just saying there's been a lot of there's a lot of great people out there there's good shepherds there's this and that but i am the good shepherd i don't do this because i get paid for it i do this because i love you and i care about you and i would die for you and eventually he did die for us and so somebody that's just getting paid for it when trouble comes they'll just split and they'll leave the sheep on their own but that's not what the good shepherd does and so look at verse 13 the hired hand runs away when because uh, because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep what does he care about he cares about the money verse 14 i am the good shepherd i know my own sheep and they know me do we have any of jesus sheep in here today He knows you. Do you know him? Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And look at this. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Listen to me today. Jesus is the real deal. He doesn't split when troubles come. Wouldn't it be bad if you brought your troubles to Jesus? Jesus, I've got this going on right now, and 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 and, and the devil's coming at me over here. And Jesus, and he's like, what? Are you serious? Peace out, every man for himself. Good luck. I hope you make it. Wouldn't that be terrible? If you came to Jesus, and Jesus was afraid, and Jesus scattered, and Jesus split on you, but Jesus doesn't split on you. Jesus doesn't scatter. Jesus puts himself between you and the trouble, and he would die for you, and he did die for you. And so there's something crazy here in verse 16, though. What's this? He says, hey, guys, I'm your shepherd, but I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. And I've got to bring them along. And they're going to listen to my voice just like you guys do. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. Who's the other sheep? Well, that's us right now in 2021 that are not Jewish by birth. Everybody that Jesus was preaching to right here was Jewish people. And his disciples, his followers, he was smack dab there in Israel. These were all the first set of Christians were basically strictly and exclusively Jewish by birth. They were the sheep of Israel. And it was mind-blowing to them to think that there's going to be a bunch of people someday that are not Jewish, yet they're going to have just as much of God as you guys have. They're going to be just as righteous. They're going to be just as worthy. And they're going to be just as part of the sheepfold as you guys are right now. And so Jesus, right here in this beautiful passage, and you can also see that he does this in John chapter 17 in his beautiful prayer before the cross. He's, he prays for his other sheep that aren't there in Israel right then. But Jesus specifically right here says, guys, I'm your shepherd, but I want you to know this too. I've got other sheep that don't even look like you. They aren't even the same color as you. They aren't even the same nationality as you. They aren't even born out of the line of Israel, but they're just as much my sheep as you are. And right now where I'm at in life, I'm so glad that I'm not a second class sheep. Amen. 
I'm like, hey, hey, we've got the blue ribbon, we've got the real ones, and then we've got the stepchildren over here. There ain't no stepchildren in the kingdom of God. Amen. We're all just as worthy if we've received Jesus. Amen. And so I love that Jesus took the time right there in this powerful portion of Scripture to say, hey, I've got other sheep too that you don't see right now, and they may not look like you. They may not even be from the same line as you are, but guess what? They're just as much my sheep. They're going to listen to my voice just like you do. There's only going to be one flock. There's not two flocks. There's one flock and there's one shepherd. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today that you are a part of the family of God. Amen. All right, well, let's dig in here. I want to talk about three things that a good shepherd does because the Lord is my shepherd and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Number one, a good shepherd, what does he do? He feeds. A good shepherd feeds the sheep. Now, as a grown adult, I'm responsible for eating. Anyone in here that you gotta bring the spoon to your own mouth? Amen. You gotta bring, you, you've gotta feed yourself. But hey, I gotta say this much. I'm pretty spoiled. You know what I mean? Uh, fortunately, I'm not responsible for creating the food these days and growing the food and, and, and a lot of the times not even preparing the food because I got a wife. Amen. She's pretty awesome. But listen to me. Listen to me. 150 to 200 years ago, I had to go out and I had to grow the wheat. Then I had to mill the wheat into flour and then I had to bake the flour into bread, and then I could eat it. But listen, here I am today. All I got to do is the bread that I eat is baked. It's by somebody else. Uh, you know what? The bread comes to me, and I got to put it in my mouth. But somebody else, they provided, and they prepared, and they made the bread. And so a good shepherd, he doesn't just take the sheep out there and say, hey, you know, you're outside Go plant some wheat somewhere and go bake yourself some bread. I don't know. Hey, he leads them to the green pastures. He leads them. Now, the sheep at that point are responsible for eating the food, but the good shepherd leads them to the food source. I want you to see something that Jesus said here in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And so in the book of John, there are seven occasions that Jesus uses the phrase, I am. And in the Old Testament, uh, the Lord, especially in the book of Exodus, he referred to himself as the great I am. And Jesus rolls up in the New Testament and seven different occasions in John, he says, I am. Well, I just showed you uh, the fourth occasion when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now in John chapter six, we're gonna look at verse 35. And this is the first time in the book of John. This is number one where Jesus says, I am. And look at this, John 6, verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty now, I love that Jesus, he, you know, there's a lot of things that he could have said, but he comes up here and he says, I am the bread of life. Now, you need to know this, and you probably know this by now. I hope you know this, that there's a hunger inside of every single one of us that can only be fulfilled by the bread of life. 
And there's people, they're hungry, they're desperate, they are empty on the inside, and they're searching for what it would be that could finally plug the hole, that could finally fill the gap and the void, and they're hungry, and they're starving, and they don't even know how to put it into words, but if they would know this much, that Jesus is the bread of life, whoever comes to him is never hungry again. If you come to him, you never have to thirst again. Jesus is the only way to fill this void. Dr. Phil ain't going to fill the void on the inside of you. You're trying to fill a spiritual void with intellectual things. And in the words of Dr. Phil, you are an idiot. No, I'm just sorry. Anyway, that, I'm not, that's my impersonation. But listen, you're not going to get that void fulfilled by posting cheesy motivational quotes on Facebook. Shoot for the moon and at least you'll land amongst the stars. Well, that's cool. That's, that's neat, but, but that doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't fill the void. That, that may tickle my brain for a minute, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't fill the void that's on the inside of me. You're not going to get it through sending positive vibes and energies. Amen. I make fun of that because it's the, literally the dumbest thing that anybody's ever done to me. Oh, man, I heard you're going through surgery. I'm just sending vibes your way. Keep your vibes, man. I don't need your vibes. <laughs> And at the same time, if you're that dense, keep your prayers too. I don't want your prayers if you think that anyway. But listen, there are voids. There is an emptiness and a hunger on the inside of every single human being. Whether they'll admit it or not, it's there. And Jesus says, I know what you need. I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me, anyone who eats of me will never, ever be hungry again. And so a good shepherd, they'll lead you to the food. They'll provide the food, but you've got to eat the food yourself. How do you partake of the bread of life? Well, Jesus also answered this. I'm in the book of John a lot today, but John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Jesus is the word. If you want to partake of Jesus, you've got to partake of the word. And so anytime that I'm reading my Bible, anytime that I'm partaking of the word of God, I am receiving and I am taking in the bread of life. And something else that Jesus powerfully prayed in the Lord's prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. You know, he didn't say, give us our quarterly bread. Give us our monthly bread. Oh, it's Easter. Give us our Easter bread. It's Christmas. Give a no. Listen, you got to do more than that. There's a lot of people. I want the victory. Well, you're going to have to talk to God more than just on Christmas and Easter only. You need to have a relationship. You need to let the Lord be your shepherd. Now, I can tell you this much. I get it. Hey, if you if you if you're an adult and you've got a busy life and you're raising kids. You're not going to lay in the green pasture literally five hours a day doing nothing else. You haven't figured that out yet. I mean, moms, dads, somebody, you you got a job at least. Listen to me. I get it that you're not going to be able to just do nothing else, shut the world out, put your music on, and just lay. That would be powerful, and that would be great. But for most people... You don't have five to six, seven, eight hours a day to just lay there and do nothing. But I can tell you this much. If you can let Jesus have 10 or 15 minutes even of your life every day, that's some daily bread. 
give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Now, if you've got time to do ours, then praise God, you're incredible. Do it. I, I love that. Do it. But I also realize that most of us don't have five, ten hours a day to just lay there and not do anything else. But the bread of life is so powerful that even a shorter amount of time would be awesome for you. You understand what I'm saying? It's powerful. It's packed full of the life and the word and the power and the anointing of God. You know, these days they've got these power bars and stuff like that. And I mean, you could sit there and feast on a whole bowl of fruity pebbles, which fact, fact, straight facts is the best cereal. Know that now. It is the best cereal, fruity pebbles, praise God. But there's not really any nutrients in it. Amen. And so I could eat, and this isn't exa- I could eat like two boxes of that and not even feel it hit me. Amen. But, but, but I don't get anything out of it. But I could just eat, even if I just ate a condensed one energy power, whatever bar, cliff bar, whatever these things are, I could get so much more out of three bites of that than a whole two pounds of fruity pebbles. And I'm telling you right now, even if you've got 10, 15 quality minutes of the bread of life, that'll do so much more for you, amen, than somebody that's just not even not even given God anything. You understand? And so Jesus said, I am the bread of life and the good shepherd, he will lead the sheep to the food. But you got to eat the food. Amen. He's provided you a Bible. 66 books right here you've got. Amen. 66 books all bound together. The word is available to you. The bread is available. But you got to eat it yourself. I cannot eat it for you. And Jesus isn't going to eat it for you. He baked it. He prepared it. He made it. He'll even prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, according to Psalm 23. But you're going to have to eat the bread, all right? And then what's the second thing a good shepherd does? Number two, he waters. He feeds. And then a good shepherd waters. A good shepherd will always find a good water source for the sheep. And remember, David said, he leads me beside the still waters. And, you know, you may not think much about that, but if you're a sheep, you love still waters. You love to have a a quiet, calm place to go and receive the water that you need. And so Jesus said, hey, hey, listen, I am the bread of life and you will never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty again because the good shepherd, he leads the sheep to the water source. And again, I'm not talking about you have five hours a day, 10 hours a day, 40 hours a week to just sit there beside the waters. Praise God. You can do that spiritually in your heart. But listen to me, even a a few minutes, even a little bit of time beside the water of life, taking it in. It will rejuvenate you and do something to you that all the self-help books and motivational speeches and everything else, they can't do it. You need living water. And so I want you to see something here in John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Are we glad that we're in the house of the Lord today? Are we glad that we have the bread of life? So John chapter 7. Amen. And you've got something powerful right now that people in other generations did not have. Look at this. John chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 37 through 38. And here we have Jesus. He's at this great 
big festival, and he stands up on the last day of the festival and says something very unique. John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, I mean, there's crowds of people everywhere, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me! And people probably thought, Oh, he's a he's a, a salesman. It's like a hot dog guy at the baseball game. It's like the guy selling Gatorades. It's something you know. There's probably tons of people walking around. You know, get your Gatorade, get your Gatorade over here, get your hot dogs, get your peanuts. And so they probably just think he's just some dude selling stuff. But Jesus is so unique. He is so crafty at what he does. He stands up in the crowd. Anyone who's thirsty can come to me. And people are probably yeah, I could use a drink, and, and maybe people are starting to, to gather around. But look what he says in verse 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And people are like, what is he selling? What? I've heard of mineral water. I've heard of vitamin water. I've heard of whatever water, flavored water, carbonated water. But this guy over here, he's selling living water? Is there microorganisms in it? Or is what, what's, what am I going to find in this stuff? What in the world is this crazy guy talking about? And Jesus says, no, this is living water. And it flows from your heart. And so the word heart here, uh, as we've studied many times in this church, this isn't talking about the organ in your chest. This is talking about your spirit. And he says, oh, if you would come to me, if you would receive what I'm giving out today, you would have living water and it would flow right out of your heart. And so if you're feeling dry and thirsty and, and and whatever else right now, brother, I'm in a dry season, the good shepherd will lead you to living water and it'll rejuvenate you and it'll bring life. The dry season can be over, but a lot of people, they don't even know what the living water is and it's not what a lot of you think it is. Look at the next verse here, verse 39. When he said living water, He was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered in to his glory. And so what's the living water that Jesus was talking about? He's literally talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm trying to get a point across to you right here. The bread of life is the word of God. The living water is the spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And and so how do you partake? How do you receive the bread of life? You got to dig in to the word. You've got to get into the Bible, which most Christians will acknowledge, but a whole lot of people, they don't know anything about getting in to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. Now, notice it even explains right here that the living water he was speaking of is a spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So, yes, the Holy Spirit was around, and yes, the Holy Spirit would come upon and rest upon some people at that point, 
but the Holy Spirit didn't come in full manifestation and didn't come in and baptize people until the book of Acts when Jesus went up into his glory and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon these people. And at that point, people can not only have the Holy Spirit upon their life, they can have the Holy Spirit within them. And guess what? I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I am full of the Spirit of God. Amen, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And so many of you are too. And Jesus talked about, hey, receive me and and, and, and confess me, and you will be born of the Spirit. But then there's another experience being filled with the Spirit on the inside. And that's where us crazy Pentecostals come into play, amen, where I'm not just talking about, yes, the Spirit rests upon me, and yes, I've been born of the Spirit, but Jesus said, hey, there is a living water available, and you will be filled. It'll just come out from your heart, rivers of living water. And so I can tell you right now, hey, if you want the bread of life, if you want the daily bread, you've got to get into the word of God. If you're starving and you're hungry, it's there. But if you're dry and you're thirsty, you can come to Jesus and he will provide to you rivers of living water. And and it's not me stretching it. My first thought would be, okay, that just means coming to Jesus and reading more and more Bible. And that's awesome. And that's more and more bread. And that's the biggest thing that you need. But it says right here, this living water is the Holy Spirit. And so if you're dry, man, why don't you sing a little bit? Why don't you praise God a little bit? Why don't you worship God in spirit and in truth? Because that's what the Father's looking for, according to John chapter 4. Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and that's another instance where Jesus said, hey, if you're thirsty, I'll give you some living water. And she said, hey, but this well, our Samaritans, we've owned this well for a very long time, and I don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus said, I will provide to you living water. And he said, I'm looking, the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. If you're hungry, you need to eat some bread. If you're thirsty, you need to drink some living water. Amen? And how are you going to do that? You're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You're going to spend some time praying in the spirit. You're going to loosen yourself up, and you're going to have some living water. Well, I don't know, Pastor Dave. That's fine. Look at John. Excuse me, Psalms chapter 63. Now, we'll be back to John, but look at Psalms chapter 63. Can we turn to the 63rd Psalm, which was also written by David? And so today, what are we doing? We're looking at two incredible shepherds. We're looking at David, who was an incredible shepherd in his own right. And then we're looking all over the book of John, who is Jesus, the good shepherd. But look at Psalm 63 with me. Psalm 63. Are we still glad we came today? Are we learning anything? Let me ask you something. What is the daily bread, the bread of life? What would that be? Yeah, the word of God, Jesus. What would be the living water that would help quench your thirst? The Holy Spirit, yeah. And so look at Psalm 63. Here we have David again writing to the Lord, speaking from his heart. But look at this, Psalm 63, a psalm of David in the New King James David's just crying out. He says, oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul, what does it do? Thirst for you. 
My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And so here we have David, the man himself. He's, we've talked about being hungry, but here he says, as my soul on the inside of me, my inside, everything I am, it's thirsty and it longs for you. He said, I'm in a dry and weary land right now where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Who thinks it's a pretty good idea to come to the sanctuary of God? Who thinks that's not a bad thing, but it's a good thing to come to the sanctuary. It's a good thing to come and be around the people of God. But look at this, verse 3, because your loving kindness is better than life. Look at this, he's saying, I'm thirsty, I'm in a dry land, I'm thirsty, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. When I'm hungry, I got to eat something. When I'm thirsty, I mean, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I'll admit that. Come on. I didn't do that great in high school algebra, but I do know a couple of things. When I'm hungry, I eat. And when I'm thirsty, I drink. And David said right here, I am so thirsty for you, God. And so what's his answer to being thirsty? My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you. I will raise my hands. I will lift my hands. In your name. I'm telling you, if you're thirsty, you need to be praising God right now. You need to get into some worship. You need to get into some praying in the spirit. You need to stir up your insides. Like Paul told Timothy in the New Testament, he said, you need to stir up the gift that's within you. If you're hungry, you got to eat. If you're thirsty, you got to drink. And the good shepherd will lead you there, but you got to drink it yourself. You're hearing this message today, and I'm not the good shepherd, amen. I'm not, you know, I try to be a good shepherd, but I am not the good shepherd. But the good shepherd is speaking to you today through me, and he's telling you what you need to do. He's leading you to the bread, but you're going to have to eat it. He's leading you to the water, but you're going to have to drink it. There's an old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Unless you're Chuck Norris, then you can make him drink. But I'm talking about typically... You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. We're trying to lead you to the water today, but you got to drink it for yourself. Anytime, I've never been thirsty. I'm like, hey, James, drink this Gatorade. I am so thirsty right now. Woo! Come on, drink it. I'm thirsty. And then he drinks, and I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so much better because that guy, he, he drank the Gatorade for me. I've never been hungry. I'm like, man, I... I don't talk like this, but even if I did talk like this, I'm dying of hunger here. Walt, please eat this burrito. I can't take it anymore. Gosh, eat it. It doesn't do me any good if somebody else does the eating for me. When I'm hungry, I want to eat, and I want to eat for myself, and I don't care if you ever eat again. I want to eat. You know what I mean? Truth. She'll testify. Is that the truth? I don't care. I just want to eat. And so a lot of Christians, a lot of sheep, they want the preacher to do their eating for them. Well, now, Pastor, he, he's read the whole Bible like 25 times. That's good enough. I'll just go and I'll, I'll bum off of that. Listen, you need to be here. You need to hear the word that's being taught. You need to eat for yourself. 
Amen. And part of eating is coming to church. We're throwing the bread out there today. I hope you're receiving it. And, and, and listen, it's not good enough. Just, I'm so thirsty. I'll just, you know, I'll just get around somebody over there that they're just, you know, they, they sing and they worship. And I just want to catch some of that onto me and woo, the water and sprinkle the water on me. Brother, it's cool to be sprinkled. I want to get dunked. I want to be submerged. I want that water on the inside of me. And if you're thirsty, you need to drink for yourself. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in them. It's great to have friends that are full of the spirit and friends that love the word of God, but it's a whole lot better when you eat for yourself. Amen. And when you drink it yourself. And so I'm telling you today, the good shepherd is leading you to the bread. He cooked it. He prepared it. He's got the water ready for you, but you've got to do something about it yourself. And that brings me to point number three. And I want you to get this today. What's the third thing that a good shepherd does? He protects. A good shepherd protects. Now remember in John 10, Jesus said that a hired hand will run when trouble comes. But Jesus said a good shepherd, he doesn't run. No, a good shepherd, he would give his very life up for the sheep. And again, I repeat that Jesus didn't just say a good shepherd would do that. Jesus himself did do that. He gave his life for us. But I want you to see something very important for you today. Back in John chapter 10, two verses. John 10 verse 4 and John 10 verse 27. Can we flip there? Amen. We still with me today. Have I offended you? All right. Well, John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 4, you know, you just got to know the truth because the truth will set you free when you know it. You need to be eating for yourself and drinking for yourself. Amen. And the good shepherd will protect you. So John 10, I want you to see here verse 4 that Jesus, something Jesus said earlier before the things that we read at the very beginning. John 10 verse 4 says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Jesus said, the sheep, the, the, my, the flock, they follow the shepherd. Why? Because they know his voice. Now look at verse 27. Later on in the chapter, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. One important characteristic of letting the Lord be your shepherd is you listening to his voice. Is the sheep listening to his voice. The good shepherd protects and defends his sheep even to the point of dying. But we have to listen to his voice. Now, did Jesus say, my sheep know what I look like, so they follow me. I'm going to be straight up with you. I don't know what God actually looks like. I have never seen him. Now, I know that I'm created in the image of God, so, hey. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> Genesis 126 says we're created in the image of God. But check it out. I don't know what he looks like. I've never seen his face. I would die if I saw his face. I've never seen him. I don't, I, I like the pictures of Jesus. I mean, I like pictures of Jesus so much, 
that I put a picture of Jesus as my background on my phone the other day because I was in pain. And I was like, I got to see what, I got to look at Jesus' face. And so, you know, listen, I had something happen to me at the hospital that's very painful. But at the same time, listen, that's cool. And I hope he's, you know, looks like this incredible Fabio with a beard and long hippie hair and these beautiful Hirachi sandals. But I don't know. He could be wearing Air Jordans and be clean shaven. I don't know. But at the same time, Jesus didn't say, my sheep follow me because they know what I look like. They simply see my incredible face and features and they follow me because they know what I look like. If that was the case, I'd be in trouble because I've got to be honest, I don't know what Jesus looks like. I'm a, I could go off of what, you know, 33-year-old men of, of that era looked like in 30 AD and just assume that he looks like this. He probably does. But I don't know Jesus because I've seen him. I know Jesus because of his voice. I know Jesus because he speaks to my heart. He And he even says, I call them by name. I know when Jesus is speaking to me. And that's how I know to follow Jesus, because I know his voice. And so I want to challenge you this morning that a lot of times people would say, yeah, I know. I know the good shepherd. He protects. I know that I know he I'm surely he's. Uh, provided the bread and the water, and and I mean, I, I hear that he protects, but in my life, this has happened. If he's so good, if he protects, then why in the world would this have happened in my life? Because some destruction happened, some hard times happened, some bad things happened, and he's the good shepherd. I'm not taken away from that, but why is it? And there's, that's a deep and loaded question, and depending on your motive for asking it, I could answer it. And there's a lot of things that could be why reasons why things have happened in our life. But I would present for your consideration today that one reason that even though the Lord is our shepherd and he protects us so much, there are uh, the one glaring reason that I can't help but overlook why we could even still experience some of the difficulties and troubles that we do experience is His sheep know his voice. Did you hear his voice, yet you ignored it and chose to do your own thing anyway? Because I can say in my life, I've had troubles. I've had bad things happen to me even after being a committed born-again Christian. I'll just speak for myself because I'll put myself on blast instead of you. But I, if I was being honest, I could say that a lot of the time when even bad things have still happened, If I were to say, God, what happened? And if I were to let the Lord really speak to me and I could kill my pride and admit and be honest with God with a pure motive, I could look back and say, oh, wait a minute. You tried to warn me about this trouble before it ever even happened. You you tried to say, don't go there. Don't take that job. Don't do that. Stay away from those people. Don't go over there. Don't make that decision. And you tried to warn me six months before the trouble ever came. And here I am after the trouble blasted me. And I'm thinking that you didn't do your job, but you were so good at your job that you were doing it six months in advance and your sheep heard your voice. And this sheep ignored the voice of the good shepherd. And then I say, where were you? I was right there the whole time. 
I was way ahead of it. I was trying to prepare you. I was trying to protect you. I was trying to help you avoid that altogether, but you just didn't listen. I love you. I'll pick you back up. I'd leave the 99 to chase down the one. I love you. I forgive you. I will heal you. I will pull you out of this, but just know that this trouble didn't come because I fell asleep on the job. This trouble didn't come because the good shepherd is a failure. The good shepherd missed it. The good shepherd didn't do his job that day. This happened because the good shepherd did do his job. And this sheep at that particular time didn't listen to the voice of the shepherd. And then some trouble came. Now, you mean you do with that what you want, but I'm just telling you that that's a word that has helped me out a lot in life because I know that in this same chapter, John 10, verse 10, he said, hey, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And so what does a good shepherd do? He will feed the sheep. He'll provide the food all day long. You got to eat it. He'll lead you to still waters and bring you to rivers of living water, but you got to drink it. And he will protect the sheep, even to the point of giving up his own life. But you need to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Amen. Well, how do I do that? Listen right now. He's speaking to you today. He'll speak through his word all day long. That's the reason you need to, the reason you need to read it for yourself and you need to come to church. Amen. Somebody come in and say, man, this happened to me this week and I just don't know how this happened. I'm like, brother, we just completed a four part series on that and taught you 500 scriptures about that. If you had been there and listened, you probably could have avoided some of that. Not judging, just saying, hey, it helps when you're actually listening to the voice of God. But he will speak to you through his own word. He will speak to you through uh, through church and through preaching. He'll speak to you through other Christians. You need to be around good, positive other Christians, not negative, nasty people that tear you down all the time. But listen to me. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I've got everything I need right there. Don't Don't ever feel sorry for me. I've got everything I need. The Lord's my shepherd. He'll make everything else happen. He leads me to green pastures. He lets me rest there beside the still waters. I've got every possible thing that I could ever need in my life. Amen. So I'm telling you right now, he'll feed you, he'll water you, and he'll protect you. You've got to follow him and let him do his job. Can I get an amen today? Do we receive that this morning? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Praise God. Now, I know that may not be the deepest thing you've ever heard, but praise God, you need to you need to know that the Lord is your shepherd. Don't let that fly over your head. Don't just acknowledge it with your mind. You need to get that in your heart. You are loved. You matter. You are a child of God if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he cares about what you're going through. And he'll protect you and he'll lead you out of it. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up today. And I just want to encourage you that, first of all, if all that sounds good, but you don't really have the Lord as your shepherd, step one is you need to make the Lord your shepherd. Now, maybe you're here or you're listening on the Internet, and, and you've never, ever really, truly received Jesus for yourself. That's step one. You have to do that, 
I mean, that's no bones about it. You have to do that. And you can't say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. My grandma always took me to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. Well, I know my parents, they, they're, they're so committed to God. My parents and this, that's great. You have to make the decision for yourself. Your parents can't make it for you. Listen, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. <laughs> my parents are preachers and pastors. I can't get to say, hey, God, my parents, they're there. No, I had to become a child of God for myself. There's no grandchildren, only children in the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you, wherever you are, that if you've never really done that yourself, you have to do that. And second of all, I also want to challenge you today that that maybe uh, uh, that you have been uh, a sheep, uh, uh, a member of the family of God, a child of God, but maybe you've just wandered away. Hey, it happens, but it doesn't have to stay that way. You can come back today because Jesus said, I would leave the 99 to go grab that one sheep and bring them back. He didn't say I'd make all them come over there to where you are at the edge of the cliff. Don't expect that. No, but he will bring you back where you belong. And so I encourage you today that maybe you've wandered. Today's your day to get back. And we wouldn't judge you for it. We'd celebrate with you for it, for coming back to Jesus and getting back where you belong with the family of God. But all that aside, if you're here and you need prayer today for anything, we've got a prayer team. We want to pray with you over any possible need that you have. And I can tell you this much. I don't know everything. These guys don't know everything. But these are people that have made the Lord their shepherd. And we know how to get a hold of heaven. Amen. And so we'll pray for you. We'll anoint you. We'll lay hands on you. And we will see God work in your life. Amen. So, Josh, lead us in some worship. And if you're just... If If you don't need prayer, just worship God where you're at. Amen. Let's go. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every I will sing 
of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice And you have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen Well, who's been blessed today? Who has received the word of God today? Amen. Amen. So, hey, you're a sheep and he's the shepherd. He's going to lead you to that bread of life. What's the bread? uh, uh, What's the water? 
the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water, and he's going to protect you. And one great big way he's going to protect you is by his voice, which comes through his word, but also him speaking right there to your heart on the inside. It's so important that you listen and you would avoid a lot of the trouble that comes in life if you would simply listen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out today. I want to remind you that we have service tonight at six o'clock. Prayer is at five o'clock warfare prayer. So come on out to that. And we're going to have an awesome time all over again. And Harvest Fest is coming up. So make sure you get involved with that. We're going to have a great time blessing the families with that. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. Amen. Well, let me pray over you today. And then we'll speak some words of faith over Barstow. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands together. Amen. Raising our hands, it's, it's a good thing because we just saw in Psalm 63 that that's how David praised God by raising his hands. But also for us, it says, hey, I'm surrendering, God, and I'm receiving. So let's do this. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for the word that we have heard today, God. And, Lord, we do declare that you are our shepherd. We have everything we need. You are our daily bread. You're the bread of life. And, Lord, you said that you would give us these rivers of living water and we would never be thirsty again. And so I thank you, Lord, that we receive that today and we are your sheep. So we know your voice and we listen to your voice and we avoid a whole lot of trouble because of it. And so God, help us receive this word today in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, use us this week to be the light of the world to Barstow and Fort Irwin and the Marine Base and the railroad and everywhere else that we are, everywhere else that we go. Use us this week to be the light of the world because we We know you're coming soon, and they need to follow the light. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.